Hello. Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Can I just begin by thanking you for your support in the wake of the launch of my debut album, Duende? It's still number two on the charts here in Australia. Not bad for a humble troubadour. I received a message from the Camino this week. Graham, an Australian pilgrim, wrote to me to say, Dan, my wife Linda and I are doing the Camino Francaise last night. We were in our room in Nahira when we heard half a dozen American women screaming out somewhere along the way. It was lovely to hear, and none of these women would be selected in any choir. (laughs) He said, today we met a few of the women while walking, and we became instant celebrities purely because we told them that we had attended your talk at St. James in Sydney. A lovely message. Brought about by me walking the Camino de Santiago and writing a song from my heart along the way. The talk that Graham is referring to was a presentation at the 200th anniversary of the laying of the foundation stone at St. James's Church, right in the heart of Sydney. A shell features in the old church's facade and the stained glass windows as well. And I was just so honoured to be there. And I said at the time, it was breathtaking to think of the history from St. James's Square to the War Memorial at the end of Hyde Park, the First Nations and their sacrifice the colony. War has come and gone. Governments have come and gone. Indeed, generations have come and gone. And it helps us to humbly see our place in time. Did you ever do that child's play with your hands? Here is the church, here is the steeple, opened it up, and here are the people. Church is the people, and their faith is the spirit. The pilgrim carries a shell to remind them of the tradition, walking in the footsteps of St. James. You know, my father was a man of great faith. Dad died a couple of years ago. He was a traditionalist. He'd turn to you in mass, and if you weren't singing, he'd give you this look. You'd start singing soon enough, believe me. My brother Ben, my younger brother, died a few years ago, and I have another brother losing a battle with cancer right now. And I can't get it out of my head that my father would have said, they're not staying until the end. They snuck out after communion. In the 8th century, the Vatican decreed anyone who walked the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James would be absolved of their sins. They'd be entitled to enter heaven unencumbered. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of walking to do. My quote this week comes from a card I saw in a bookshop this week, and it said, some people just get wet. Others feel the rain. My guest this week is an Australian pilgrim and author, Belinda Coniglio. We met in a small courtyard cafe, not far from my house in Sydney, just last weekend. Spring has sprung in Sydney. Welcome, pilgrim. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. I want to get to your book, Six for Santiago, shortly. But first, I want to ask you if you felt your place in history on the Camino. My place in history? It's a, it's a profound question. I've had a lot of time to reflect as well. It could well be, and that could well depend on where book sales go. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. There's so many different ways to look at it. I, I've definitely found um, my, my tribe and I feel that the book that I wrote was in honour of, of those people that I walked with. And I, I suppose if you look at it in that context, it preserves 
that month we walked together in a time and place. And to me, uh, that was what writing the book was about, was to, to preserve that, those 28 days. Yeah, and what, but what were you looking for when you headed out onto the Camino? Well, to be absolutely honest, I just wanted to be alone and walk and, and be in peace because I was at a time where it was perhaps a, it was a, perhaps a crossroad, perhaps a closing of a chapter for me, but I really set out to walk and just be by myself and write. And I didn't expect to meet anyone and I really didn't feel like I wanted to engage with anyone when I, when I first left. But you, but you did, and that's the basis of the book, and it's a wonderful book too, which we'll get to. But I, I sense from you, and doing a bit of research about you, that you're an overachiever, a very determined and focused person. So how does your spirit guide you? Well, I've always listened to the inner voice. Uh, call it what you may. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm, I consider myself an overachiever. I mean, I, I feel like I walk my path and I, I feel like it's, it's hard to tell now whether uh, I've always um, listened to that voice or that whether the Camino has actually honed that and that mm. I've become more in tune with that. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good answer. We're here at the egg of the universe cafe just a short stroll from my home now i'm sorry for the background noise there's also traffic and trucks pulling up outside but this is a yoga studio and you and i are both yogis mindfulness is a good way to develop focus isn't it absolutely and i think there's a lot of synergy between yoga and walking yeah the the rhythm of the heart your own finding your own rhythm uh, the meditative state that comes with just walking I mean often I'll walk to work so I, I actually arrive at the office clear and focused to start my day and by the time I walk back I'm left the day behind me in that walk I think we all owe it to ourselves to listen to our hearts and spirit more um, and I wonder You've done a bit of research on all of this. You've written the book. You've had a time to reflect. How can I do that? Someone who's listening now who wants to listen more to their heart, the rhythm of their heart, their spirit, what's something they can do to be better at it? For me, it's certainly about quieting the noise and seeking that, um, that solstice from all of the noise and the humdrum of the everyday. And certainly yoga or doing something it doesn't have to be a a 28 day walk but just finding that space from all of the different influences that we have whether it's social media whether it's our friends and family whether it's the chaos of work helps us to get in tune and really listen to what our inner hearts desires are yeah and here we are talking about all of that with all this noise going on around us i want to ask you a question why not how why did this spiritual journey begin? I feel like it's something that was always in me. Mm. And it's something perhaps that I had a lot of fear surrounding as well. I mean, I, 
I had been very focused on my career and where I wanted to go, quite specifically. Now, I'm not sure how much I should reveal here. <laughs> but, it, you know, I had been very focused on wanting to work for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. And it, since from a very young age, but it was at the same time something that someone had sort of put that idea in into my mind. So I became fixated on arriving at the destination without a real agenda of what I was going to do when I got there. And I think we can do that a lot, uh, become very focused on the destination and not the actual journey that transpires or why we're walking a path. I think we're going to get to that in a moment because you sum that up beautifully in the book. Um, and uh, you talk there about working. Uh, you also have a boutique consulting agency, Ideas and Impact. And, and it's focused on business strategy and marketing and communication projects. It must be very rewarding. Your working life, do you enjoy working? Absolutely enjoy everything that I do. However, that comes from a sense of my own, of being aligned with my own values and, and bringing value to the people that I work with. And now, when I look at work, I see it from the perspective of me serving and showing up to actually transform or build the capacity or build the skills, but actually being true to my purpose, so showing up to, to give. So in that way, I don't really feel like I'm working. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a really good answer, actually. It, it's it's more part of you and you your identity. It's an extension of who I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I've post communal. I don't feel like I can be anyone else. <laughs> That's right. Tell tell us how the Camino came into your life. Well, my first recollection was strangely, and it was it, my first recollection was through the Alchemist, reading Coelho's Alchemist. But he doesn't really walk the pilgrimage in that book. That's a separate book. And that was a book I didn't want to read before walking the Camino. But that was my earliest knowledge and a, perhaps a, um, an old boyfriend who told me about this UNESCO track at the same time that I'd read The Alchemist. But subsequently, living in Canberra, I had met a sister's fr- uh, a, sorry, a friend's sister who, who had actually walked the Camino. And it coincided around the time that I was thinking of doing it as, as these things happen and we're sent in the universe what we need at the exact time that we need it. You wrote Six for Santiago and you say it was only through walking your path that you learned you could be a catalyst for transformation. How? For me, it's, and it, for me it's always been... To, just to touch the life of one person because by showing up and being present just for one person that that's really how you impact change because that person may go on and touch the lives or transform the lives of others around them yeah you you, that's a really good answer Catalyst for transformation because you and I have been sitting here we just had something to eat before we, we began the interview and we were talking about transforming lives and how the Camino has had such a massive impact on our lives. Do you think it impacts everyone? I, I personally, my, my personal view is that it absolutely impacts everyone. That said, 
I think the extent to which the individual sees that impact and that transformation requires a level of self-awareness and of gratitude to to notice the small things and if you go straight back into the hustle and bustle of your your life post Camino I feel like it's potentially difficult to sit back and reflect on just how the Camino has transformed your life yeah and people talk about their Camino family but for you it was much more than that wasn't it uh, for me, I, I became very attached. I think, I mean, in, even in writing this book, to the people that became my Camino family, and it, the, I mean, the the interesting thing for me was that I wanted to walk alone. So I had this, like, this sort of dichotomy between wanting to walk alone, but then being becoming having become, especially in the last ten days, very attached to these people who in a way chose me I, I felt like they chose me because I, I kept having this push pull I need to walk by myself I don't know if I can stay with you tonight I just need to keep walking at my pace but at the same time they were always there for me and they were this family that I could always come back to so I never felt alone alone on the path yeah your book six for Santiago is out now and if my listeners google six for Santiago they'll find it there's stories of the people you met during your Camino in April May 2016 it started as a blog then a series of articles for a magazine and it's described as being based on true stories of human emotion what's a story of human emotion it's all of our stories right it's the experience, that the, the struggles that we face in our day-to-day life, it's uh, the joy. And they, they say that on the communal, you experience all human emotion that you would experience in a lifetime condensed into four weeks. And I certainly feel that through the lives of the people that I met um, and through the shared journey that we took, that there was all of that. There was love. There was um, there, there was that sorrow um, and empathy with the other people. Um, it, I was I was I suppose struck by the fact that learning and being able to empathise with the story of the other people that I met put my own perceived dramas or. Um, woes into really humbling perspective. You say while walking the Camino we encounter the very things that reflect our life outside the Camino or that we are facing in our own life. You were just talking about it, love and relationships, friendships, overcoming fear, tears. And like our life, if we embrace our path, we take a step closer to unfolding our truest self. And I love this line, Belinda. You say, after all, the Camino is a journey into oneself. Absolutely, and that line came from one of the nuns that I met, one of the sisters that I met, and I asked her, uh, we were in Estrella, and it was a convent, and I was, I was exhausted at the end of this day, and I, I made the effort to, to climb to the top of the hill and stay in this convent that had really appealed to me, and I asked one of the sisters if she'd walked the Camino, and she said to me that... The Camino is a walk every day 
with God for her and that her Camino was that path and that she'd never walked the Camino. And I, I was moved by this because in that point I thought, I actually don't even need to walk the Camino. It's all inside me. That's a great answer. You say in the book, oh no, let me first ask you, what did your Camino friends who feature in the book make of it, Six for Santiago? Well, to, to be absolutely honest, Dan, they're waiting for the Italian edition. Oh. So there could be some fallout when that translation hits <laughs> next year. We're working on the Italian translation for an Italy launch in June 2020. Right, right, right. But you say in the book, I would later learn to be careful of whose advice you take on the Camino. And that's a lesson in life too. Why? <laughs> Absolutely. Because, and I think this happened on La Francigena, where I think we first, because it was subsequent to, to Santiago, um, we, we met people who would say to us, well, that next town, which was only maybe five kilometres, it's too far to walk to. So they'd live there all their life. All, they'd live in that town all their lives. But when asked for directions, and this happens to us in life, we ask for guidance, we might ask someone who doesn't have the stamina or the vision to walk a certain path and tell us that it's not possible. And it's the same in the Camino. We'd ask, where's this next town? They'd say, well, you don't want to walk there. Why would you, why would you want to walk to that next town? So you have to be cautious about whose guidance. Yeah, that's really fascinating, actually, because when you do ask for directions in life, in, you just more often than not say, oh, thanks, that's great, but hey, maybe not everybody knows the right way to go. Exactly. It's like reading a TripAdvisor review for a restaurant for good Italian food written by someone who doesn't know the Italian culture. And I can say this because the Italians are supremely proud of their their uh, country of origin produce. I walked with Lenny, and I know Lenny will be listening to this. Lenny the Italian, who's a chef, and we sat down for bolognese in... I think it was from Mr. And he said, this is the worst Italian food I've ever had in my entire life. He said, in, in fact, it shouldn't even be called spaghetti. It was a, you say in the book, uh, a simple life can be beautiful. I love that. And I'm still exploring it because it's this challenge um, in our day-to-day life about whether simplicity and, and the beauty of fa- just a humble life with our family and good friends surrounding us whether that simplicity can be enough or whether we are always going to be in search of something more and when you get to that something more whether really all that matters is the simplicity of having good solid friends and family around you mm-hmm. so for me it's always this duplicitous not, not, not struggle comes to me I don't think it's a struggle but it's it's a contradiction in many senses yeah, yeah. you say in the book and I suspect you would say in life get comfortable with not knowing how you will get to your destination Absolutely. And I, I mean, definitely after the Camino and the projects that I took on after the Camino, uh, you know, I, I was inspired to do things, uh, wine, write the book and launch the book that I, I actually hadn't. I mean, it was uncharted territory for me. And 
the ideas were there and I was it was as though I was being told to do these things but I had no idea <laughs> really how I was going to pull it off because I'm you know there's there's a whole you know raft of things that we um, we can let become excuses for not doing things we can say we don't have the time we don't have the money uh, we don't know how yeah but the reality is that all comes from one emotion, which is more than likely fear. Fear. You refer to yourself in the book as a romantic. What's a romantic? Oh, my romantic ideals, my I- idealism. Uh, I still believe in true love, despite anything. And people say to me, well, how do you still believe in true love at your age? But I, I really have these beliefs of not the not the chivalrous romance of flowers and lofty, but really simple, beautiful moments that are shared between people. That's a great answer. You quote the American Buddhist nun, Pima Chodron, in the book, if we run 100 miles an hour to the other end of the continent in order to get away from the obstacle, we find the very same problem waiting for us when we arrive. It just keeps returning with new names, forms, manifestations, until we learn whatever it has to teach us about where we are separating ourselves from reality and how we are pulling back instead of opening up, closing down instead of allowing ourselves to experience what fully whatever we encounter without hesitating or retreating into ourselves. Now, you talk a lot in the book about rain and black clouds. Can I ask you, did the sun come out? I feel like the sunshine is always there after a cloudy day. And I need to thank my yoga teacher, Jess Wong, for that, for sharing that beautiful quote in in a in a class, in a yoga class, and I think I talk about the synergies between yoga and walking. Mm. But for me, it is about continuing to walk, even on the rain, on the rainy days, right? Even when it rains, you need to find the, the, the beauty in the fact that you're able to take the journey, in the fact that there might be a warm bed waiting for you, and that other people might be sleeping in the rain. So that the Essentially, you're always better off if you if you can keep walking ahead. As the book progresses, you start to see more of yourself in your friends, which is really fascinating transformation, as we talked about earlier. It's interesting, Belinda, to 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 follow your awakening as you as you thumb your way through the book. And I think the the pivotal thing for me was. Seeing this, ref- seeing this Camino as a reflection of my own energy and, and creation and that I was able to do that not only on the Camino but then in life as, as I created it after the Camino. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about arriving in Santiago de Compostela. For me, it wasn't, certainly wasn't the highlight of, of the 28 days. It, what was the highlight was the the journey and the experiences that I'd had and the people that I'd met along the way. I I had no idea in my mind or no expectation in my mind of what I wanted that to be or what I 
expected it to be. And in many ways it was more than for not having had that expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? But it's, it's often said that your Camino begins when you get to Santiago. And potentially it did, because I, I feel like the real walk took place and the real work, the real personal work took place in the years that preceded. Um, and I, I perhaps wasn't even aware of that in the, in the two years that followed. Uh, perhaps it's only really um, actually been a realisation since I launched the book of the journey being post Camino. Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful book. It's personal. It's very personal. That's funny. It's sad in some parts too. Uh, but it's a very honest book. I think you'd, you'd agree. Was it a form of therapy? I, I, I definitely feel that it was healing and that what emerged for me in launching the book were certainly healed emotions and the level of love and loss potentially uh, was a a period of grief and we know that in grief it's a cycle that leads to transformation if we allow it and if we embrace it. What did you learn about yourself on the Camino? That I'm strong beyond belief as one of my yoga teachers would say. I I really... um, I think the the one thing for me is, is that the one message for me is certainly is that you keep walking forward. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter how you feel. You can take a rest period. The important thing is that you keep walking towards the destination, whether that is a city or your dreams. Keep creating that. And that's my message. What did you learn about other people on the Camino? Everyone's walking their path and that to be a little, potentially a little kinder or less judgmental to where they're at because I have this tendency to push because I see the best in people. I I feel like this is part of, um, part of who I am is to see quality in someone and really try and draw that out and make them be the best that they can. But sometimes... People have their path and the best that I consider isn't necessarily the best that they need for themselves. And to have that level of compassion is actually really, it's hard, it's something that I, I struggle with now is because I tend to have this tendency to push, push, push to where I think people need to be. Mm-hmm. It's about having compassion and softness. Yeah, yeah, softness. I like softness. One of your Camino friends, Sarah, tagged you on Instagram and said, friendship's so weird, you pick out a random human you've never met and you're like, this one, I want to go on adventures with this one. Isn't that great? I think it's fantastic. I think that is a great, I mean, I want to live my life by that. I want people who I have adventures with and I think it's important for choosing a life partner too because it's, life is a journey and it is an adventure and those people that I travelled with even if it was just for that period, have been part of, of an amazing ride. And you've been to most of their hometowns since you finished the Camino. I have. I've visited everyone now except for um, 
Raya, who is in Rakananti, and I promised him that I will go there. Um, recently, I even went to Sardinia to Mickey to see Mickey and meet her family. You know, Coniglio is an Italian name. I won't give up the book secrets, but did you enjoy touching base with the European Belinda? I think, yeah, that European Belinda is so much, but one of the things I realised is so much part of who I am still. Okay. And and interestingly, in, in writing this and even sort of the subsequent work that I've done with the Italian communities, I've really found my voice in that, in that language too and that I had to almost return to that base to to find that, that it, and did you enjoy finding it i think it's yeah i mean it's always it's it was reconnecting right it's always been such a big part of who i am and it, yeah and acknowledging that part of me yeah, yeah. exciting you, you, let's go back to the camino what did you find most rewarding while, while walking um There's a certain sense of accomplishment, I, I suppose, in, in walking each day. But even then, it wasn't it wasn't why I, I was walking. I think the relationships that I made were certainly the, the most important thing. And it was a, it was a reminder to me that you can't travel in life alone. Mm. You, uh, I, I was going down this solitary path of being very focused on business and the things that I was doing for myself, MBA, work, uh, you know, things that take up time and, and can take you away from social engagements. Uh, the, the reminder to me on the Camino was definitely the dinners that we shared. I mean, the, the beautiful thing, that Camino wouldn't have been the experience that I had without the people that walked by my side. So that's what's most rewarding. What did you find most challenging? The, the most challenging thing for me was to pretend, and without again revealing too much of the storyline was potentially to heal um, some of the, the personal conflicts that I had within myself and it wasn't something and, and going back to your earlier question of you know whether the Camino actually changes who you are I mean it, it wasn't something that I, I I got to the end of the 28 days and I was healed it was something that actually took time and I had to allow myself that softness within myself and learn that for myself to be able to actually heal and resolve the the questions that I was asking they say you can feel the Camino drawing you to its path do you feel it feel it drawing me back to the yeah. path when I when I walked I didn't think I'd ever go back to the Camino I, I thought you know who would do this in fact at one point I wanted to walk away I, you know I was done I think at La Grono after we, we were rained out I thought I've done enough <laughs> um, but since I absolutely will return and I'm I'm hoping that funds raised will from, from the book will actually allow an honorarium to be set up to, to give people other people the opportunity to help them walk their spiritual path. Uh, I'd like to go back and walk from Santiago to Muxia because it was a section that I didn't think I had in myself at the time. 
and it's also a reminder that there's you know sometimes we we think we can only go so far but we haven't considered the realm beyond we, what we what we set out for ourselves yeah yeah, that's right. That's a great answer. I said earlier that you're a very determined and focused person. Do you have to work at a certain type of fitness to keep up that motivation? Uh, physical fitness. I, I think it helps. I think diet and, and physical fitness certainly help with mindset uh, and, and also a spiritual practice of mi- mindfulness or whether it's mindfulness or it's your faith. I think that probably helps the, the functioning at a, yeah. at a higher level. Yeah. I certainly noticed on the Camino when I started to eat a little less clean <laughs> um, that, I, that my performance and clarity perhaps wasn't as, as um, sharp. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, in the, the very back of the book, you, you write there about how in some of the towns you go to, they're eating French fries. You're saying, why don't you promote your local cuisine? It was driving me crazy, and every, anyone who sat down at dinner with me knew my reaction when I saw patatini on the menu, or I just couldn't deal, or fries, I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Your friend and, and mentor, in a way, the leading Australian demographer, Bernard Salt, says in the book's forward... It isn't so much about who you meet as it is about how you incorporate and learn from those whom life has positioned on your pathway. That's wonderful, isn't it? It's amazing and it holds true to my life path. I think the connections that we make, even you and I, Dan, here today, uh, the connections aren't by chance. They're certainly not coincidence. And the people that I've encountered on my path I think it's about, it's about learning from them and, yeah. and really bringing out the, the best from each other. Yeah, yeah. What does the future look like for Belinda Coniglio? Well, that's a very good question, Dan. Uh, well, at the moment, it's, it's an interesting space because I, write, I also write in the book that maybe I'm destined to return to work in international relations so it's an interesting project that the universe has gifted to me that I'm working in a transformation space uh, in in that field and that my journey uh, the very things that I write about in this book are being valued at that corporate level Uh, beyond that it's it's unclear at this point it could go really anywhere it's kind of exciting, isn't it? It is a really exciting time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope it's as delightfully bright and inspiring as you are. Congratulations, and I have a feeling that you're someone who doesn't get wet. You're someone who feels the rain. Thanks for your time, Belinda, and buen camino. Buen camino, Dan. Thank you. My guest this week, the Australian pilgrim and author Belinda Coniglio, that book, Six for Santiago. Remember the card I saw in the bookshop? Some people just get wet, others feel the rain. Thank you for your company again this week and every week. I have a confession to make. I recorded the last six interviews over one weekend about two months ago. It kind of freed me up so I could concentrate on the record. Now I'm back talking to pilgrims again and I suddenly realised just how much I missed it. I really do love it. So thank you for your ongoing support. I'm enormously grateful. Until next week... 
I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere